Well, we are uh, finishing up a, a series today on the Holy Spirit. Uh, first week, we looked at the Holy Spirit as, as, as uh, power. And then last week, we looked at how the Holy Spirit can give us passion. And today, we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit can, can give us protection. So I thought today we'll continue our P alliteration. So my outline is going to be prayer and prompting and purity. I'm going to read from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 14. And these are the words of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Spirit of truth. Well, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Verse 25. Now all this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? And it sure did change the disciples, didn't it? I mean, after the day of Pentecost, this group of discouraged and, and depressed and defeated disciples of Christ, no vision, no understanding, are transformed into this daring and determined band of apostles. And soon we see them out in the marketplace preaching about Jesus. Peter and John encounter a lame man as they are on their way to the temple. And, and, and through their prayers, he is healed and runs running and leaping through the temple. Man, that would have been something, I'll bet. Wonders and signs are taking place. So they are now people of courage. They boldly stand up against the religious authorities who demand that they stop their activities. And their vision has now gone global. They take the gospel first to Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, to Rome, and then to the uttermost ends of the world. They no longer fear evil. They no longer are afraid of death. They're no longer consumed by materialism or, or, or greed. They, they gladly share their possessions uh, with whoever is in need. All of this because the power of God has been unleashed in them by the power of the Holy Spirit, or as Jesus called him, the advocate. The Greek word is paraclete. It can be translated as, as comforter, or as helper, or as intercessor. But clearly the Holy Spirit is transformational, and it can change our lives as well. So today, uh, briefly, I want to mention three ways that, that that can happen. First of all, point number one, the Holy Spirit prays for us. The Holy Spirit prays for us. So Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes, intercedes for us through wordless groans. And so here the Apostle Paul is reminding us that in the weak moment of our lives, the, the Spirit actually intercedes for us, for us with signs that are too deep for words, that He is in us asking God to send help from heaven. So in those moments when I no longer have words to offer to God, 
when the situation that I'm facing is so out of my control that I don't know the right way to pray or when I am too weak to pray, it's the Spirit of God who intercedes for me before the throne of God. And you probably experienced this. When you're about to do something stupid, I'm talking to you men now. Just kidding. When you're about to do something wrong, and the moment it seems like a great idea, and, and then there's this thought that maybe you shouldn't do it, that's the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how often times the Holy Spirit speaks through my wife. Mark, I really love you, but this idea is really stupid, and you should not do it. More often than not, that's the Holy Spirit speaking through my wife. Or maybe you find yourself in a difficult situation. There seemed to be no good answer. There seemed to be no way out. And then suddenly there was a way. You ever faced a situation like that? One of my very favorite stories in the Old Testament is Moses at the Red Sea. That's a great story. I'm going to tell you again. You probably all know it. I'm going to tell you again. I mean, the people of Israel, they're so excited. They're so happy. This was beyond their wildest dreams. They've been finally set free. There seemed to be no way out, but God had made a way, and here they were on their way home. Two days later, Pharaoh changes his mind. What have I done? Why have I let the people of Israel go? That was stupid. Should have listened to his wife. So Pharaoh made ready his chariot, led his army out after Moses and the people of Israel. I can imagine that Satan that day was whispering in Moses' ears, God brought you all the way out here just to see you die in the wilderness. He's going to let you die. I mean, imagine the Red Sea before him, Pharaoh's army behind him. There is no way out, but I would guess the Holy Spirit was whispering in that other ear, fear not. So what voice are we listening to? The way of faith sometimes seems so ridiculous, doesn't it? So ridiculous. But how much better it is to walk by faith than to walk in fear. Verse 14, it says, be still. Moses says, be still. Don't worry. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be still. Now, that seems like some pretty unusual instructions. I mean, what about effort? What about personal involvement? What about duty? What do we say? Don't just stand there. What? Do something. Moses says just the opposite. Don't do something. Stand there. Seems weird. But the Lord was impressing upon them the mammoth undertaking of this project. The army was too big for them. There was literally nothing, humanly speaking, that they could do. Nothing they could think of in their intellect. There was nothing in their toolbox that was going to fix this. God was their only hope. Reminds me of, of the prophet Zechariah says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, some of us are trying to solve our Red Sea problems on our own power, by our own might. But folks, when there is no way out, be still. Read. Listen to God's word. Be still. And allow God to fight the battles for you. Then the Holy Spirit speaks to Moses. Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Moses lifts up his rod. 
stretched out his hands and the waters of the Red Sea parted and Israel went on and escaped from the army of Pharaoh. God protected them in a big way and he'll do the same for us. Secondly, point number two, the Holy Spirit will prompt us. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would teach you all things and bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. I wish he would prompt me when I lose my car keys. Or when I lose my car in the parking garage at the hospital. I've done that a couple times. But it's the Holy Spirit who reminds us, who helps us to understand Scripture. So before I read my Bible, you know, I, I ask God for help in understanding, especially some of those difficult passages. I ask Him to help me apply the Scriptures to my daily living so that my relationships can be impacted by, by the teachings of Scripture. And when I need guidance on an important decision, that the Holy Spirit is there to help me. So the Holy Spirit is, is our teacher. He will teach us the truth about God. He will teach us the truth about, about faith and Scripture and prayer. And if you listen, He will guide your life as you pursue your life mission. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and, and Silas are, are traveling west. And now we really don't know where they were headed, but about halfway through Turkey, they consider going north towards Bithynia. And Luke, who wrote Acts, says, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. They're on this mission for Jesus. They're getting ready to go into this, this geographical area. The Holy Spirit says no. Okay. So they, see, they keep on, on their, their westward journey. They arrive at Troas. Troas was a seaport on the Aegean Sea. And that night, Paul has a vision. And a man of Macedonia says to him, come over to Macedonia and help us. <laughs> The next day, Paul shares his vision with his traveling companions, and together they conclude that this is a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Let's obey it. And so they make arrangements. They get on a ship. They set sail for Philippi. There they meet a businesswoman whose name is Lydia. She comes to faith in Christ, and a church in that town begins. I love their story because it shows us this whole mission, this this whole story is, is spirit-driven. Paul and Silas, they're almost driven. They're carried along by the irresistible wind of the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I long for that. I want to be driven by the Spirit of God. I mean, imagine if all of us were open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. What if we all saw ourselves here today as missionaries? And, and this church is a missionary training uh, school to send people out into our neighborhoods and into our communities and, and into our cities to engage people, to talk to them, to have spiritual conversations. If you were here two weeks ago, you heard that implied in the membership and baptismal vows. Each baptized person takes a vow that there's a call upon their life to be deeply involved in some form of, of hands-on personal mission through which we can bless other people beyond our own immediate family for the cause of Christ. And in that, God is calling us to, to risk everything, to do anything, to, to change anything in order to help people experience the life-transforming power of God and to be encouraged to join in the mission of Jesus to transform this world. Now, maybe that scares you. The good thing is, God never prompts people who are particularly saintly or intelligent 
or imaginative, or even daring. Because if he did, he would not have chosen me. A call is not the desire to accomplish that for which you are competent. It's a desire to attempt that for Jesus where you are incompetent. And so a call to surrender is, is a call to surrender your incompetency to Christ and to have, let him have it all for his mission in the world. In, in fact, it's not really even about me and it's not really about you. It is about the mission of Jesus. And it's not really about doing a bunch of good stuff. You can do a lot of good stuff without God, right? A lot of people do good stuff in this world. They never give God a, a thought. It's about creating righteous people. It's about multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ. That is God's calling to us who yearn to be prompted into mission with Jesus. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit purifies us. The Spirit purifies us. So if I want to around the room right now, and I ask you what that word purity means to you, you might have a negative understanding of that. You might think of it as a purity, that's a standard I'll never reach, or you might think purity is, you know what, that's kind of hip hypocrisy, or it's pharisaic. But what the New Testament means by it is living in the Spirit. It's about letting the Holy Spirit help us to live this new kind of life. We find this in, in Galatians chapter 5. And Paul contrasts in this chapter two ways of living. There's, there's the life of the flesh and life in the spirit. And he, the first he calls the, the life in the flesh. He says it's characterized by cheap sex and grabs for happiness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming desires, brutal tempers, the inability to be loved or to love. It's about divided homes. It's about uncontrolled addictions. And Paul says, these things are like gravity. They, they naturally pull us down. They keep us from living the new life. It's like the law of gravity on this book. Now, I, I can feel it. I can feel the law of gravity. If I let this book go, it's going to fall, isn't it? It drops. But it can't fall because I have a hold of it. And I'm not that strong, but I'm about a hundred times stronger than the pull of gravity on this book. And so I've got it. This book is safe as long as I'm holding. I can feel the pull, but I'm stronger than that. Now Paul says the second kind of life is called walking in the Spirit. And he says that while the pull of gravity is always there in your life to do the things I just named, the Holy Spirit is at the same time saying, let's go this way. And then he launches into this, this thing about the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22. He says, this way is about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He says, you can't live that way without the presence of the Holy Spirit being in your life and overcoming the pull, that downward pull of walking in the flesh. And so the picture that Paul paints here is that the spiritual life is this process of walking. It's a journey. It's the beginning of a journey. It's a pilgrimage from where we are today to where God wants to take us. And this walk, he says, is an uphill one. There's, 
conflict between the leftover of our old way of life and then where the Holy Spirit wants to take us next. And this image of, of walking presents the Holy Spirit as, as being like a coach. Now, coaching, if you're a coach, coaching is very hands-on, it's very personal, it's relational, it's helping the person who's being coached uh, learn to be successful. It's the coach offers encouragement, he offers or she offers resources and, and help for the athlete to live up to their potential. That's what a coach does. And so the Holy Spirit, in, 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 a, in, a, in a very similar way, offers us hands-on encouragement, resources, and helps us as we walk up this sometimes steep hill of spiritual growth and maturity. And like a good coach, the Holy Spirit won't walk for us, but He walks beside us. He invites us to keep in step with Him, prompting us to follow His directions, to rely upon Him for encouragement, for strength. And so this spiritual life of following Jesus is an uphill climb, amen? It's not an easy stroll through the park. It's a, it's a lifelong journey of transformation where we are changed into people who love God and who love other people. Sometimes it looks dangerous. Sometimes it looks downright impossible when we face challenges that threaten to overwhelm us. Sometimes we get lost. Or sometimes we just defiantly sit down and we say, God, I'm not going a step further. And yet, no matter how, no matter what we encounter along this incredible journey, our coach is there with us and he offers us everything that we need to take that next step. So maybe this morning you're finding yourself stuck. Let me ask you a question. Is your spiritual life any different today than it was a year ago? Do you find yourself discouraged? Do you feel like quitting? Do you feel like turning back? If you do, be know the purifying presence of the Holy Spirit is your coach. And when I know what it means to live in the presence of God, it makes me stand up just a, a little bit taller, spiritually with aspirations to be able to say, yes, I will, I choose, I decide to be like Jesus. And that can change everything. So the Holy Spirit, He prays for us, He prompts us, and He purifies us. He is all of these things and more. Folks, the, the day of Pentecost changed the lives of the disciples. John, you may remember, wanted to call down a fire on some people. Who, who, who and, and, and became known as, with his brother as the Sons of Thunder. I'm making you see that written across leather jacket, Sons of Thunder Motorcycle Club. And what's he become after Pentecost? The disciple of love. Peter, the denier, becomes Peter the Rock. Thomas, the doubter, becomes Thomas the Confessor. Matthew, the tax collector, becomes Matthew, the writer of the Gospel. Before Pentecost, they deserted Jesus. After Pentecost, they turned the world upside down. So how do we live this Spirit-filled life? We ask. Again, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will be given to those who ask. Folks, you can't catch the wind, but you can be caught by it. 
you, you can't take the spirit and make him fit into your mold, but you can turn your life over to him and let him mold you if you want. And Jesus tells us the result of this spirit-filled life. He says, peace, my peace, I will leave with you. You see, the spirit in us gives us peace. God doesn't leave us alone. We don't have to be afraid anymore. But I want you to listen as I close this up. And this is really important. God does this for a reason. He does all this in us for a reason. And it's not really even about you. And it's really not about us. It's, it's really so that we can help others. You see, Jesus has a mission in this world. And he's inviting you and I to be a part of this mission. And our vision here is for you to grow. To grow to the next level spiritually. And this means for most of us finding a place where we can serve others. And so today we're doing our annual ministry fair. And so if you're not serving right now, I want to really encourage you after the service to go out there and see what opportunities there are to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit and to ask Him, where do you want me to serve? How do you want me to make an impact? How can I be in mission with Jesus in this world? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit to live in us, to be with us forever. Thank you that you give us your peace and we no longer need to be afraid. So now send us into the world to help others find what you have so graciously given us.